know, today as we begin uh, a new study, we want to ask the question, as Christians, do we have non-negotiable beliefs? And if so, what are they? Because we live in a world that has a lot of information and a lot of noise and a lot of stuff being thrown at us. And it's been a rather contentious season. I'm sure you would agree. You turn on the news, it's all crazy, and there's the talking heads, and no matter what you believe or what you think, there's always somebody on the other side of it, it seems like. And we're inundated with information, whether you want it or not. And there are no shortage of strong opinions and beliefs. You don't have to look too far to find them. But people seem to get easily revved up about the things they think. They get all fired up about things they feel strongly about, and they want to let everybody know, and they want to get on their social media platform and shout it from the rooftops. The issues they feel strongly about and the information they feel like the whole world needs to hear. When it comes to our faith in Jesus, do we have the same level of passion? Do we feel that the message that we have, the good news, the gospel, is something that should be shouted from the rooftops? Because all too often it seems to get lost in the shuffle. And as a church that is called to reach outside of ourselves and outside of our walls, it's important that we ask ourselves, when it comes to my beliefs, what is important and why? Well, everyone says thoughts and opinions we feel strongly about, beliefs that shape the way we live our lives. It's important we understand the fundamental truths of our faith in Jesus. It's important that we understand the foundation that truly shapes the way that we live our lives and that we embrace it. You know, I was reading a, a, a blog this past week, and there was a gentleman by the name of Trevin Wax, an interesting name. But in June of 2015, he writes for a, a, um, a publication called the Gospel Coalition. He responded to a commencement speech given by Stephen Colbert. Now, if you don't know who Stephen Colbert is, then it probably means that you go to bed early. This Stephen Colbert is a comedian and a writer and a political television host um, of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Not necessarily my flavor, but, you know, he has a following. But Trevin Wax wrote this column, and he wrote this. He said, in 2015, Stephen Colbert delivered a commencement speech at Wake Forest University. Colbert urged the graduates to, quote, find the courage to decide for yourself what is right and what is wrong. And then, quote, make the world good according to your standards. Trevin Wax writes, to start, let's admit that Colbert's intention is noble. He wants to protect the graduates from throwing in the towel when things get tough. He doesn't want them to define themselves by what their critics say. For Colbert, the way to avoid a feeling of failure is to create your own test and then grade it yourself. Why worry about passing a test that someone else has created for you? The problem Why feel bad for failing to meet some externally imposed standard? The problem with Colbert's advice is that it doesn't eradicate the feeling of failure or the angst of despair. It just moves it back a level. 
Interesting perspective. Figure out what you feel is right and what is wrong, and then shape your life around it. Make your decisions based upon that. You know, while, while the writer's response to Colbert's speech may be assuming his intentions, the reality is Colbert's challenge to those students really represents what we would call a relativistic interpretation of life. A relativistic way of existing in culture. The reality is our lives must be grounded on something more than just the trends and the fleeting thoughts of what culture thinks you should do and how you should live our lives. It's got to be grounded in something more than just our changeable and movable viewpoints because they shift. Today we begin our new series on the non-negotiable truths of the Christian faith, the convictions of what we believe. You know, defining convictions is a, an interesting process because the word convictions is defined as a fir- fixed or firm belief. The art of convincing a person by argument or evidence, the state of being convinced. Convictions. You know, but too often we tend to blur the lines of our opinions and our beliefs and our convictions. We, we tend to think that they're all the same. That your opinions and beliefs are your convictions. But I'm here to tell you they're different. It's okay to have strong opinions and strong beliefs. But the convictions are something entirely different. Opinions are a personal view or feeling. Not based on evidence or certainty. Not something you've studied. Just how you feel. Just what you think off the cuff. Opinions are things like crunchy peanut butter is the best. We can all agree on that. We've, we've talked about that extensively. Crunchy peanut butter is even better on pancakes with syrup. It's just, that's how you should live your life. It's my free gift to you. Or for some of you, your opinion is camping is fun. We can agree to disagree. Because I need a chiropractic adjustment when we get back from camping, mostly because we've never bought a trailer, nor do I plan to. But in the church, we have opinions as well. Worship should be this way or that way. We should sing these songs or those songs. People should dress a certain way. After all, it's church. We should dress up and we should look our very best for God because that's what he desires of us. And if Dan was really spiritual, he would preach from the King James Version of the Bible. We have opinions, some of them stronger than others. And then we do have beliefs. Beliefs represent an idea or thought that has been researched. Or it contains evidence. The belief. Something we've invested ourselves in. And there are important conversations and interactions that should take place in life. But can I just tell you, I believe that the important conversations, the critical conversations in life, shouldn't happen via email or text. Do you know there's a lot that can be misconstrued in a text or an email? 
misinterpreted, hurt feelings. There is no emotion in text. It's whatever you thrust into it. And so at times, it can get a little ugly. And in the church, we have similar beliefs. There's plenty of topics to debate. The day of Sabbath. When is the day of Sabbath? Well, it's Sunday. No, it's Saturday. I remember I was engaged in a conversation at a swim meet, all places, with a Messianic Jew. When is the Sabbath? Well, we observe it on Sunday. Oh, that's not when the Sabbath is. Shabbat is it's supposed to be observed on Saturday. Well, you have a better beard than I do, so I'll just agree with you. But we get to these places where we debate interesting topics. The rapture, is it pre-trib or post-trib? I don't know, I just know where I want to go. And then, of course, the topic of tithing. You know, is it gross pay? You tithe on your gross paycheck or your, or your net paycheck? Because I know what Bill Beasley thinks. It's gross. There it is. But our opinions and our beliefs change and are shaped and shift. Our convictions never should be. Convictions embody the elements of our faith for which we would be willing to die. And today we want to dig into some of the convictions that shape and help strengthen our faith in Jesus. Our text today is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. You can jump on the YouVersion Bible app and search Neighborhood Church Events. Find us there as well, and then everything will be on the screen for you additionally. But 2 Timothy chapter 3. Starting in verse 16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that we have your word, that the word of God is available to us that you have given us the gift of showing us what it means to live for you and, and helping us to understand what truth really looks like. Too often we look around in our lives and we search for truth, and you've given us the gift of your inspired words. So we pray, Father, that as we dig into and study your word today, as we take time to really understand what you would desire to do in and through our lives, that we would surrender our own thoughts and opinions and beliefs and really step into understanding who you are and how much you love us. God, we love you. We thank you for this time we have together in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the midst of an, an ever-changing world, we have the authority on what is true. We possess it in the Word of God, in the Bible. The Bible truly represents the very word of God to his created, to his creation, to you and to me. And understanding that the inspired word, or inerrant, 
as we sometimes say. There is nothing that needs to be added. There's nothing that needs to be taken out. God's word is as relevant today as it was in the hundreds of years that it was written. And we believe that this Bible written over spans of generations that stretched over hundreds of years gives the overall story of God's greatness and his goodness, the beginning, the middle, and the end. There's no gaps. There's no need to thrust an extra story in there. And when Paul says that all Scripture is inspired, that means all of it. Not just the parts that show up in red letters in the New Testament when Jesus speaks. All of it is inspired and useful and profitable. Because the Bible is a gift from God, we can trust that it's without defect. It's not missing anything. And there's nothing more irritating in life than receiving a gift from someone. And when you open it up and you're all excited and you're like, oh, this is great, this is exactly what I wanted. And then what's stamped right on the front of it? Battery's not included. Wait, what? It doesn't even work? And then starts the incessant hunt for batteries. You're turning over everything in the house. Of course, we we're all about working smarter, not harder. So we've got one of those little battery, you know, organizer things in our closet. It's just a, you know, debate as to whether or not there's going to be batteries in it. But they're there to be organized. There's nothing more irritating than getting a gift and then needing something else to make it work. The beauty of Scripture is it doesn't need anything else. When it comes to our convictions regarding Scripture, there's a couple realities that we need to embrace. The first is the Bible should be the standard by which we judge all claims of truth. Because there's a lot of claims of truth. We look at Stephen Colbert, figure out what your truth is and then live it. There's claims of truth all over the place. Follow the science. Do this. Do that. And all too often, we get wrapped up in the noise. And we get skewed and swayed by the perspectives that we see and we hear. But the Bible should be the standard by how we test truth. And it's not just limited to biblical truths, but all truths, spiritual and social, across the board. In a time when, when society seems to be encouraging you to discover and to live your own truth, the lines have been blurred and distorted. It's, it's, it's hard to even know which ends up sometimes because there's so much noise. Scripture is the only source of truth that doesn't change. It hasn't changed. It won't change. And it's something we can grab hold of. And it gives us a clear roadmap and means by which to test the imperfect opinions and beliefs that exist in our world. And they're imperfect because they're ours. Like the creamy peanut butter people. Sorry. They're imperfect opinions. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. The word of God is alive and powerful. It divides. And nothing in creation is hidden from God, no matter what truth you're espousing or living. And Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3 in our text that Scripture is profitable. This means Scripture can be our source of learning and growth. That when we engage Scripture, when we open the Word of God, and we look at our lives and we say, God, what? How? Why? It's all there. And if we're willing to engage it, we'll grow. We'll understand. We'll mature. We'll find answers. The Bible has a way of capturing our hearts if we're willing to engage it. We begin to awaken our spirit. When we, when we find ourselves in a situation that seems hopeless or we find ourselves in a hardship or a struggle, we can open up the Word of God and find an answer and find hope. And it will also give us a clear understanding of what is right and wrong. In a time when that's shifting and changing and it's all over the place, live your truth. We can find the true interpretation of right and wrong. But too often we see Scripture as a, as a list of rules, a list of do, do, do and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. You need to live this way, you need to live that way. I can't have fun. Churches, everybody just... The reality, when you turn your back on God's plan, the quote says, your sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. We will find ourselves in places we never wanted to be when we turn our backs on the plan of God and we live our own truth. No matter what information, podcast, prophecy update, or social media post has come across your path, the Bible should be the standard by which you test everything because it's the greatest source of truth. So use it as your standard for truth. The second thought is that Scripture should be our primary tool for hearing and sensing the voice of God. I can't tell you how many times I've had people say to me, I'm just waiting to really understand what God wants for my life. I'm just waiting. I just, I just need to hear his voice. I would just say, how's that working for you? Because there's been few times in my life I've, I've heard the audible voice of God, if ever. Remember when I was called to ministry at, at 13 at the altar of a camp, camp experience and and then when I freaked out in college and was like, oh, I didn't, have, I didn't hear the booming voice of God. And he didn't, you know, open the clouds up. And what if I'm not? And you wait and you wait and you wait to hear the voice of God. 
I'm just waiting. And we often get ourselves busy with lots of seemingly important elements of our lives. I got to do this, and I got to go do that, and I got to build a career, and spend time with these people and that people, and now there's all these important things to do. And we, we, we tend to wonder where God is in the midst of our busyness. We get ourselves overly busy, and then we go, where are you, God? And we often forget the Bible has instruction for every element of our life. Love, relationships, marriage, work, finances, raising kids, trust, leadership, how to serve people. Everything. It's all in there. And if you're like me, sometimes I don't pick this up, but I go grab a podcast and I listen to that or I you know, search for the quick list of, of whatever I need, you know, five ways to, you know, fix your finances, you know, the six ways to not have jacked up kids, you know, here's seven tips on how to wash your car so it doesn't swirl. We look for all these ways to fix everything and figure everything out. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm all about a good, solid DIY YouTube video, you know. Got to change your oil, YouTube. If I'm going to change my oil on my, my moped, YouTube. Because I don't want to jack it up. But we tend to look for those things before we ever think to open up the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, or you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Why did I show you that scripture again and wind it back two verses? But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught, for you know they are true. Why do we look everywhere else? Why don't we go to the greatest source of truth? Why, when we are trying to hear and sense the voice of God, do we listen to everything else? There are wonderful, wonderful people in life who have the best intentions who will tell you a lot of really stupid things to do and think. And if it doesn't test out, if it doesn't measure up, I would just encourage you to quietly do away with it. As we spend time in the Word of God, we will learn to hear and sense His voice and we'll see his plan unfold. When we press into what he's doing, we press into what Scripture says, we'll have a clear path. It doesn't mean life's going to always be easy or without heartache or struggle, but it means in the midst of that, we'll have a clear direction for where God is desiring to take us. Too often we have the tendency to give ourselves the right to not live what the Bible says. 
we look at our life and we go, well, if I just kind of do this, or maybe if I kind of depart from it here, we tend to say, well, that so-and-so really, really hurt me, and I, I don't know that I can forgive them right now. I think I'm okay to not forgive because they really messed my life up. This, they, they really broke my trust. They really went out of their way to mess me up, and I just don't think I need to forgive them. And so we walk around in unforgiveness. We think it's okay to be anger, angry and bitter. We think that, that it's okay to live our lives in that kind of a state where Scripture says to do away with anger and bitterness. We think, tend to think it's okay to compromise in different areas of our life. Sexual sin, pornography, sex without the, commission, the commitment of a marriage relationship. Decisions that are actively creating compromise in your relationship. Why do we tend to think those, these, those, those things are okay? Or we kind of divorce ourselves from Scripture for a moment in life and say, well, there's grace. The Bible is clear in all areas of our lives. The key is keeping the commands and promises of the Lord in our heads and our hearts. Because all too often we, we, we root Scripture into our hearts, but we allow our minds to be shifted and changed and and. We listen to the talking heads and we listen to the loudest voices and we go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But the Spirit of God would say, no, I have a plan and a purpose. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Is the Word of God that important to you? Where does it show up in your life? Is it just gently placed on your nightstand next to the bed? Is it sitting in that area where you do your devotions in the morning? never to be touched again? Or are we actively engaged in what God is desiring to do and say in our lives through Scripture? Because as we press into understanding Scripture, the Scripture says you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Tie it on your arm. Put it on your forehead. Write it on your doorposts. Where does Scripture show up in your life? Do people know that you're a Christian? Do people understand that you're a follower of Jesus? Or is it just kind of, well, I leave that at home. And then I go and I listen to all the people who are living their own truths. We've got to press into understanding what it means to live for Christ. We need to be reminded the foundation of Scripture makes our faith complete. That when we step into God's plan and His purpose, that everything that we need is found in the Word of God. 
And that means it becomes our foundation upon which we build our lives. There's nothing else you need but to understand God's promises and his plan and his purposes and his truth. And allow that to shape the way you live your life. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you saw fit to give us the gift of your word, your inspired word, so that we wouldn't have to wonder how to navigate life. Life has its, its share of struggles. It has its difficulties. But you didn't leave us to just figure it out. You didn't set us on this earth so that whatever truth kind of blows our way would be what we would lean into. But God, you gave us the road, the road map. You gave us the guidebook. And you desire that we would press into your plan for our lives. And that we would understand that your truth is life-giving. It doesn't take away our fun. It doesn't cause us to have to struggle through life. But it's truly life-giving. It's living and breathing. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today, God, that you would awaken us to understand what you're doing. And that you've called each and every one of us Lord, we love you and we thank you today that we can celebrate what you're doing in our lives, in our church, in our community, in this world. And we don't have to get wrapped up in the truths that are coming out of the news outlets and different areas that would cause us to be hopeless. So help us, Father. We ask that you would be the strength that we need. That you would lead us and guide us by your Spirit. That we would understand that your Word has everything that we have need of. God, we worship you. Church, this morning as we were in that time of worship and as Matt asked us to spend a moment just pressing into what God would be speaking to our hearts, I felt the Spirit of God say that, that somebody here needs to know that God is your sustainer. That in the midst of whatever you're going through, He is going to get you through it. That He's going to sustain you. He's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the resource. He's going to allow you to navigate through the adversity. Whatever you're facing today, it's not the end of the road. He's your sustainer. And if you find yourself this morning at a place where you said, you know, I've, I've, I've listened to the truth that the world has to offer. I've, I've listened to all these voices, and they've taken me in directions that have destroyed my life. have caused me tremendous heartache. My relationships are broken. And I find myself hopeless at the end of the day. 
Perhaps you're saying, I want that truth. I want to understand what it means to live life with purpose, to have hope, to be able to lay my head down on the pillow at night knowing whose I am. We want to give you the opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus today, to have that opportunity to follow him with your whole heart. We believe it's the greatest decision you can make. And Scripture, the inerrant, inspired Word of God says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that Christ died and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. And yet we complicate life with all the other noise. So today, if you're desiring to step into truth and to step into what it means, follow Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity. So we're going to say a simple prayer, and if you would desire to say that prayer with us, there's no magic to the words, but Scripture tells us if we believe, we confess our need of a Savior, that he'll come in and he'll take care of the situations in life that we can't control. So church, can we say this prayer together? so we don't embarrass anybody. Say, Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're grateful that you would make that decision today and it's the best decision you can make in life. And our greatest desire is to come alongside of you as a church family and as a community. So if you made that decision today, we'd ask you to just grab the connection card and say, I made the decision to follow Jesus. We'd love to get you some resources, a Bible, come alongside of you in your journey with Christ. Celebrate what he's doing. As we continue to press into the convictions, those non-negotiables in our walk with Jesus, my prayer for you today is that as we go out of this place, we would share hope. We'd be the kind of people that People look at it and say, what is different? Why, in the midst of all this craziness, do you just seem to have that constant? So let's share that hope today. Let's be the kind of people who point people to Jesus. And as we enjoy the blessings that God has for our lives, let's press into what he's doing. As we go out of this place and you enjoy the wonderful sunshine, Our challenge and our encouragement every week is that we would be the neighborhood. So let's step into what that looks like and let's point people to him as we go about our days and as we share God's truth in the midst of our lives. God bless you today. Have a wonderful week.